Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR workforce management rotate operation software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. So what we now know is the microbiome is almost like the, the foundation of all our health. So the microbiome are these you know, billions or trillions of bacteria living in the digestive system. And the health and the pattern of that bacteria has an influence on everything from, you know, your, especially your immune system, but also how you're on your mental health and also on your cognition. And it impacts, you know, how often you're having stool movements, too much or too little if it's out of balance. It, it affects your weight and how hungry you get. What I like to do is rather than just complicated, if you just take a couple of principles and work on them whenever you can, then you know that you are making that microbiome a better pattern. This week, I have a great guest for you. And I actually wonder, as I was inviting her for the show, why haven't I had her on the show before now? Because she can really help you to improve your health now and in the future. And health is the foundation for everything, as we know. So please welcome Jeanette Hyde, nutritional therapist and writer. She's a gut health behavioral change nutritionist with more than 14 years of hands-on experience working with individuals to improve their health and thereby their lives. She's the author of two must-read books, the Gut Makeover and the 10 Hour Diet. And she runs a weekly newsletter called Nurse with Janet, which I subscribe to and I'd advise you to do the same. It will help you to get that boost you need, definitely here in 2024, to have the energy and vitality to meet the challenges you're gonna face. I met Jeanette back in 2050 when she was doing a talk about her new book, The Gut Makeover. The book changed my perspective on what I eat and how I eat, and it has truly transformed the quality of my life over the years. And I thought it was time for you to meet Jeanette, because I'm quite sure listening to her today will also help you with the transformation you need in the new year to become more vital here and now and ensure your longevity through a better diet without compromising on the pleasure of good food. We will also cover her journey in helping people make better food choices, her practical approach to holistic nutrition, and what is the problem with our Western diets. We'll be talking about diet fats and myths, and what is actually gut health, a very, very popular word right now, but what does it actually mean? And what is it? And uh, how do we manage our energy slump throughout the day by feeding the right things? Then we're going to talk about sleep versus the impact it will have on diet choices. And 
She will share lots of practical steps and small changes you can incorporate into your daily routines this year to become even more healthier and vital. And we're also going to be talking about how do you actually sustain this besides true January, but how do we actually sustain healthy behaviors from January and beyond? If you want to get more insights on what Maverick leaders know and do, as well as getting more backstage info on the show, sign up for a weekly newsletter of Maverick Talk, five minutes each week that could transform your leadership and business forever. Find the link in the show notes or visit hospitalitymavericks.com and sign up there. Now, grab your notebook, lots of great advice on how to improve your health through better food choices. Enjoy. Sometimes in life, you meet a person that has done some work that really makes an impact on you. And we're actually discussing it, Jeanette and I, uh, the other week. When was it actually we met? It was definitely before the pandemic. We knew that. And it was around when Jeanette had this book she, uh, she was publishing, just published, that's called The God Makeover. And she was very kind to give this to me because I was like really on a journey. And I, was, I think it was by accident, I actually came to that event as well. So sometimes the universe just put you in a place. And I took this book home to me and my wife. And in principle, we changed our diet. We are not religious about the things, but we changed a lot in our diet, especially taking out ultra-processed foods, be very aware about eating uh, gut-loving food like kimchi and so on and smoothies. And and that had really changed our, you know, whole, whole health, our energies and so on. And I thought, you know, it was a couple of months ago, I thought I need to get Jeanette on, on the podcast. <laughs> Why well, I've never thought about that. And now we're going into, we're in December. And when you're listening to this, we're going to be in January and you're going to need it more than ever in 2024. So welcome to the show, Jeanette. That's that that was the intro to why we're here today. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that that lovely intro. Yeah, and I do remember it would have been that book first came out December 2015. And I felt at the time like a complete freak going around talking about gut health. I think there was the only other person ahead of me at that time was Professor Tim Spector, who yeah. had a book out six months before me. And he's, you know, a scientist and he was kind of like trailblazing the way, but I come in as a practical person, a nutritional therapist who works with people. I'm not in a lab. I'm in a, in a room coaching people. And I can see how it was. I saw how it was working, having read the science. And then that the book was my first entry into sharing it mainstream. Yeah, and that's really well, good you said. I precisely made a note about this, what was different, because I also read, not at that time, but later, actually, Tim Spector's work. And and very fascinating that he took a big risk of going out with his profile, talking about something that's principle was not in general medical science was backing up. And But what I noticed with your book and actually why I keep, I said to you, it's standing down in the living room together with our cookbooks and sometimes just to remind ourselves we have to be good to our God is it's a very practical book. Mm. And it's like you have this, the God makeover and it's four weeks. And if you do that program, it's it's going to transform. But I can also remember, I, I, think, I think it took us about a week to get our 
myself together after I got the book and we read it, read it very quickly because, again, it's a very practical book. And then I can remember the first two weeks of the program. The first couple of days went very easy. And then you know, the staying power of doing it. And then there's something happening with your body. It starts to inject chemicals or it almost feels like you are down with the flu. And and you drink, you're drinking ginger water or whatever you're doing. And in principle, I think what's healthy to do by this, because I don't see it as a diet, I see it almost like to get in connection with your gut and actually learn about your body. And I thought that was where the transformation happened for me. So the way I'm eating now, I have so many, I actually thought I was eating well, but about doing this, I just got confirmed that my gut is full of things that shouldn't be down there. And now, as I told you before we started here, when I eat something that God doesn't love, I can feel it straight away. It's like uh, it, it, there's pain down there and it takes a very long time to recover again uh, because you are put chemicals in principle or bacteria or whatever you call it down on your gut. So, yeah. So I, th I think that this book has really, really, you know, really it's been a very one of the most 10 important books in in my life, and especially on the health, because again, I could do, go and action something. It was not just a theory, it was something action. So, so I think you accomplished that very, very well uh, as you wrote that book. Could could you, with the to get for the audience, share a bit about your journey and your approach to to gut health, food, diet, yes, how yes. you're helping people to <laughs> yeah. rather, you know change their life through changing their food choices. Well, if I go chronologically to where I am now, I started life off as a journalist. So, and actually it's really interesting that I'm here on a hospitality podcast because I started my career as the hotels and technology reporter for Travel Trade Gazette in 1991. And uh, so I, at that time, was interviewing a lot of the CEOs of, you know, the big hotel companies. And, you know, you know, traveling a lot, but I was sort of talking a lot to the hospitality world at that time. So it's just funny. But so I was, you know, going to the launch parties of, you know, the, you know, budget hotels that were being launched in the UK, you know, all this kind of thing. And it was a, quite a full on life, but I loved my career and I ended up as travel editor of the, no, I was deputy editor of the travel editor of the Times and then, and I was all, and I kind of peaked uh, you know travel editor of the observer so i had like this 28 page section and i commissioned everything that went in it and the photography and I, I did go all over the place and i was you know was meeting all these deadlines and i was sort of writing these columns and working in a big sort of busy newspaper office one of the few women at that level at that time but anyway it ended up i had a burnout and that is when i my body, I woke up one day and the body said no. So I mm. literally woke up one morning and I had young children at the time as well. So you ne never any downtime at weekends either. Do you know what that was like? I was living on coming home from work and having half a bottle of white wine and some pasta, ready, you know, the sort of fresh pasta and the, the tomato sauce bought at M&S on, on the way and, you know, eating croissant, standing up on a train on the way to work. That was, you know, it was... I, my body at some point burnt out. I burnt out and I woke up one morning and it was physical and mental because I felt as if I'd been in a car crash, you know, so my whole neck was, it was as if I'd broken my neck 
And I went to every physio under the sun and every, you know, osteopath. And I went to all the neurologists, you know, I think second and third opinions. And, you know, and everybody, you know, I wasn't very treated very well. I mean, the, I have to say, the cranio osteopath I found was the sort of kindest and had the most empathy of anyone I met at that time. You know, the environment that I was in, it was like, oh, you know, she's not tough enough. She's not one of the boys, can't hack it like the others. You know what I mean? That was, I'm so happy that our, our, our whole society has changed a lot since then. But it was shocking. There wasn't even in, a, you know, and, and in retrospect, I now know it was um, a burnout. And if you, only in the last few years of psychiatrists even got the term burnout in their a manual for diagnosing what happens, you know. But anyway, so I was physically and mentally on the floor and I put myself back together. I, I left my job. I, you know, just started, uh, just, I, I was, became a at-home mum for a year, which is a lot of work in its, itself, as you know. But I started to feed myself properly, cook from scratch, I would be seeing daylight because I used to go to work in the dark and come home in the dark. And I started to see sunlight again, imagine vitamin D. And I put myself back together. But a lot of that was about reconnecting with food. And it was the way I had been brought up in actual fact, because at the time, so my, my, my mum and dad were kind of, very sort of into, you know, the 1970s, growing their own vegetables. My mum used to walk around in a, in, a, in a Native American, you know, knitted poncho that I was so embarrassed about when she picked me up in, uh, from school in that. They, were, uh, they used to buy their bread from somewhere called Cranks, which was really big in those days. They were the original people eating the beans at that time, by the way. You know, uh, my mum was stretching every meal. We didn't have a lot of money either, stretching every meal. There were like lots of lentils coming into things. In a way, when I started living that, that really, that life where I was like 110% on career and not, not even looking at what fuels going into my body or having rest and recovery or anything like that, I, I sort of realized that I had disconnected from all, all the most important things in life. And I, what happened after that was I started, and, and I was quite frustrated about nutrition at that time because it's like, what, what should I be eating? How do you eat? And at that time, if you looked, it was women's magazines on shelves, how to lose, you know, six pounds in three days. and I. When I, it was all about weight loss. There was nothing about the nourishment side of eating, which was the way I had been brought up, by the way. It was about food was nourishment. And, and, and so I just got really interested in the subject and I, and I signed up to university to start a bachelor of science four year degree because I wanted to learn how to read the science and interpret it into practical things you know I want to know well what is it that we're eating or how should we be eating I don't want just some sort of faddy stuff I want to know I want to learn how to research in order to know and so it was after that degree I came out from the degree set up my own practice as a nutritional therapist and it was over that time because as a 
journalist, by the way, you're always digging, you're always researching, you always want to know about what the new findings are. And that's a lot of your job. So I was always keeping, you know, up to date on various, you know, you know, as science papers came out, getting notifications. And I kept seeing this word, microbiome, microbiome, microbiome. And this get, you know, and I, and I started reading this stuff and then I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. They're saying here that if people drink fermented milk, uh, it improves their sleep. And, and all of this, they tried it on a few people with IBS. And, you know, and then that was how I started trying this stuff out. You know, people were coming to me and they would be like, oh, you know, I've got, you know, terrible you know, irritable bowel syndrome and I've got, and it's gone on for years and I don't know what to do. And, and there were two things I started doing with them was getting them to eat more vegetables and plants, which was totally against the grain at the time, because all the, when I, even when I was training to be a nutritional therapist, it was like, IBS, they mustn't have more than three vegetables a day because it, you know, will give them so much bloating, blah, 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 blah. But if you started looking at the science of the microbiome, it was key to everything to have good health you need to eat more but the key is in building up very slowly and gradually yeah anyway so i was doing that with the with people sending me you couldn't even get kefir in the supermarkets at that time by the way so these ladies would be driving from mine to my office to these uh corner shop eastern european corner shops in london and they were the only ones selling it at the time you know like the hungarian shops and the polish shops yeah. And they would go in there and they'd clear the shelf. <laughs> How many bottles of kefir have you got left? Right, I'll have them. <laughs> the buy months were. And they were feeling really good. So that's, that's the background of how that book came about, The Gut Makeover. And so it's quite, I kind of get out of it all the sort of rubbish that you might be eating, right? And I try and just load into the diet lots of good stuff, right? However, it's just a one-month reset. And what I really hope now it is all now more mainstream but what I just hope is that what everybody now is beginning to realize and I hope it's very doable is that we all know now that we need to eat lots of variety of plants plants are every you know vegetables but you know just as many different ones as you as you can and just keep putting in and the other thing is let we need to start eating live food and those are the two most important things. Do you need me just to go back a little bit and just explain what the main principles of gut health are? No, I, I think I think that's really, really a good, good uh, because the thing is really, really interesting is that you had a problem yourself, then you said, "I can't find the answers." I go and get get more knowledge, and then actually you were out before anyone else. You know, microbiome. I think there was nobody talking about that. <laughs> Uh, in 2020 even though still like it was when really tim Spector got a breakthrough i think with the, the zoe app and i think you, you're so right now it just feels like a word that's been there forever it's not and i think there's still people discovering that actually you know the, the importance of a healthy god or microbiome but it'd be really interesting to hear about you know yeah as you said like what is all that learning all that journey and then what is your approach and you know how do you actually you know you know, help the individual bring that down because it's often, you know, whatever you try to change, especially around your food habits or any kind of habits now we're on one new year, it's the staying power. Like how do we actually make it stick? 
It's a really good question. And that's why I work in very small, small little changes with people. So if you think, so what we now know is the microbiome is almost like the, the foundation of all our health. So the microbiome are these you know, billions and sort of trillions of bacteria living in the digestive system. And that, that the health and the pattern of that bacteria has an influence on everything from, you know, your, especially your immune system, but also how you're on your mental health and also on your cognition and it impacts, you know, how often you're having stool movements, too much or too little if it's out of balance. It, it affects your weight and how hungry you get. So what I like to do is rather than just complicated, if you just take a couple of principles and work on them whenever you can, then you know that you are making that microbiome a better pattern. And the way to do it is, so I'll give you an example. I went to, I was going somewhere this morning with a neighbor and we were stuck in a traffic jam in an Uber. And so she started telling me about what her diet is like. And that's what happens all the time, by the way, when people are around me. And she said, oh, that she eats for breakfast, some flatbreads with a couple of eggs on top and some seeds. And then she has a cup of soup mid-afternoon and then the, her main meal is in the evening so i said to her so vegetables there's no vegetables in the breakfast and the and the and that little soup at lunchtime is are you sure you're getting enough vegetables and she said oh i have loads of vegetables in the evening so we then had a conversation and we brainstormed i explained actually for the microbiome you probably need you know you and you need lots of fiber and also the pigments in the colors, they all feed the good bacteria in the gut, right? Yeah. But you need probably to have a really healthy microbiome. And I, this is just a guesstimate of what it probably looks like, but people like a physical thing. You probably need about a kilo a day. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, that's before cooking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But if you imagine you get to the evening and that's the only time where a piece of broccoli comes out, you're not getting anywhere near that, are you? So we had a conversation which was just about, look, could you eat an apple with the breakfast? And what could you do with the lunch? Um, could you swap that for a miso soup instead of it being one of, the, you know, like a processed cup of soup? The miso paste, which is fermented live, and then yeah. maybe put put a bit of tofu in it and could you have a satsuma alongside that which are in season at the moment do you see what I mean in that way so sometimes it's not like oh I've got to change the whole diet even if let's say she starts eating an apple every day that's going to have a, that's going to have a big impact yeah because the apple has so it's got the fiber and the fiber is a food for the bacteria in your gut and it's got, it might've been quite a westernized kind of not a great diet to start with, but it kind of changes something. So when you said, how do I work? I tend to work slowly and try and it's called the point of leverage, getting some things going that are doable and you can keep the habits going. And I have changed the way that I've worked a bit since 
before COVID, because before COVID, people used to come and see me in person in Harley Street in London or South Moulton Street. And that's, you know, the West End of London. So after they would, so they would usually, you know, have a commute to get there. So they'd be thinking about what they, we were going to talk about on the way. Or if it was, you know, a follow-up session, they were thinking about the stuff they'd implemented and, you know, it, they were processing stuff and the same on the way home. And when we got there, you know, we have our session and then they would usually be, we'd agree some action points and they would usually run from there to the Whole Foods at Piccadilly and get some of the ingredients. And they'd be quite excited about getting home and having it and starting it. And so I would... I found I saw a lot of really great progress working that way. However, I have changed the way that I've worked online because in the early days of working online, I, people were jumping on the call to me from other calls. They were not processing anything after the call. They were not running into Whole Foods physically. Oh, I must put, do that at the weekend. Do you see what, Nick, you see what I mean? Yeah. And then the next session would be oh so did you did you find such and such you know oh I haven't had time you know what I mean and it's so so in terms of working online now rather than it being fortnightly as I was in person I'm change I'm, I'm changing it to be more dynamic so I see people like weekly for 45 minutes and small really small things that you can get going with rather than having two week gaps like in so I'm, all I'm saying is I've had to kind of adapt and change uh the way of working doing nutritional therapy online as opposed to in person yeah and I think it again uh, the challenge just as you say become even bigger as we we work more from home or and we you know we don't move as much and i'm I'm trying to be very aware of this a time of day where I go out for something when I have these full days at home, either just to pick something up or go an extra way around to pick up the kids from school because Suddenly you look, I look at my watch and keep my steps as well. And you find out, oh, I only did 3,000 steps today. And then you just know that's not good because you're not putting in the bank in a way, which also because you need to get the body moving like from a muscle or kind of point of view. But, but one of the things that really grabbed me when I read your book, and I think also when you look through all the other content you have online, is like that thing. I think I was not aware, as I said in the beginning, that, my diet, which you call the Western diet, was your word for it, or like ultra processed or processed food, the impact that I can you talk a bit about, you know, the the Western diet, I think there's become more, you know, awareness, you can see lots of people talk about natural food, they, but I still think they don't turn around the packaging enough to look at what they're buying often. I still think people just buy beautiful packaging. Yeah, and <laughs> even I get, I get, I get sort of I trip up on this stuff as well so I cooked a really nice Ottolenghi meal the other day from one of his brilliant books which are very good for gut health by the way because there's lots and lots of variety of you know plants in there coming back to plants is everything a plant is everything that is a, a vegetable a fruit a nut a seed the lentils the beans the the herbs the spices all of those count 
And his dishes, yeah. literally, they, they can be a pain as well because they've got so many ingredients in them, can't they? But anyway, there was this one thing and it had, it was a tray bake, I think, with beans and sausages and plums and pomegranates, molasses over the top. And I, I bought some new pomegranate molasses to cook it, got it home. And I thought, oh, damn, I've already got one in the cupboard. That was a waste of four pounds. And then because I had the both bottles in the house, I looked at the old bottle and I looked at the new bottle. And the new bottle literally just had concentrated pomegranate in it. Obviously, you know, they'd, they'd squashed down the pomegranates and taken out the seeds and that's what was there. The other one had a list of about 10 ingredients. The very first ingredient was some sort of glucose, sugar, syrup, and there was coloring and, and it was like literally might have been a speck of pomegranate in there. It was a completely fake food. And I had been using that on cooking for a while. And I had noticed my blood sugar levels, you know, where you sort of like, like this after eating and then you have a big slump afterwards. And I was like, oh, oh, there must be a lot of sugar in pomegranates. <laughs> you see what I mean? And it wasn't. It no. was because it was a fake food. So conclusion of that. And then what was interesting as well, the fake food, that was about a pound, that, that, that one. And the other one was yeah. four pounds. But do you see how easy it is to slip up? Do you see how easy yeah. it is to feel rubbish? And so we just, it's a, a real pain. We have to be really vigilant and just start reading labels. It's as simple as that. I love to work with the team over at Bissimple because... They are always striving to get better. 1% better every day. So I had to share this with you. Because we simply have launched a new blogcast, which highlights some of their favorite hospitality maverick podcast episodes over time. And if you're a new or hardcore super fan of the show, this is a perfect opportunity to catch up with some of the standout episodes from our massive back catalogue. The Bissimply team has and will be extensively transcribing interesting moments from each episode while providing some new insights on our brilliant guest, the Mavericks. There's already some great write-ups with Mavericks like Chef Chantel Nicholson and the co-founder of Singerman's Community of Businesses, Ari Weinswein. Find them at bissimply.com blog and click blogcast on the right side menu. Enjoy. Yeah, and, and what do you see, Jeanette, is like the, the challenge with this, you know, our Western diet. I think you described it very well when you hit your burnout, the way you were eating, you know, that's also... Okay, so I haven't answered the question, what is the Western diet? Yeah. So the Western diet is this beige-colored diet where we're not eating all these colors, you know, like in the Ottolenghi dish, you know, and there were beans yeah. in there, which had lots of fiber. And there was like the, the, the deep dark color in the, in the pomegranate. And, and, and do you see what I mean? Uh, if you go back to me, when I was that journalist, I would eat a croissant standing up on a train, it's beige food, right? I would eat a sandwich from a trolley that came to my desk at lunchtime. 
I didn't even leave the desk. I didn't. I ate the sandwich while I was still working, which is the worst thing you can do for your digestion and your absorption and your energy, by the way. Um, but it was like beige, you know, these ready cut sandwiches with there's a yeah. piece of ham or uh, like a slither of tomato in the middle and a bit soggy. And then, but you know, mid afternoon, they'd be starving because uh, have some biscuits or something. And then in the evening, I'd be getting home and having the pasta with this, you know, from the M&S thing. So that is the West, that is the Western diet. The Western diet is this diet where we're not eating enough fruit and vegetables. I mean, the best research diet on the planet, by the way, and we know in, 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 uh, is the Mediterranean diet. And so people are often saying to me, oh, what about this diet or that diet? Isn't veganism brilliant? Da, 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 da. It doesn't have the evidence that the Mediterranean diet has. It, it, it just doesn't. I mean, just because like a handful of people, you know, on that Netflix program had high performance, you know, athletes, all with their private chefs cooking for them, of course they're going to do okay on it. But you can't translate that to thousands of people. And I think the veganism thing has been, I'm all for us eating less meat. I'm all for us eating more plants and more beans and, you know, more lentils as your, your, your firm do, you know, and I'm so glad to see out there, there's quite a lot of people making it easier for us with the beans and the lentils as well, because they take ages to soak and cook and all that. If you had to do it all yourself, life is becoming easier, but you know, just so the trouble with the veganism thing and I get so cross about it is I go in the shops and there's like so much fake food in the fake you know there, there, there's these you know you know fake burgers and fake sausages and fake this and fake that and they're full of these emulsifiers and these you know you know binders and all this and something called cellulose which is you know something that has been uh, shown in you know mice and rats you know causes a massive amount of inflammation so do you see what I mean? The problem is that with a lot of dietary stuff, anything extreme is the one that gets the headlines and yeah. da, 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 And it's actually the small things that you can just start doing regularly. Read your label, get some more fiber in your diet, have more fruit and vegetables. Do you know what I mean? And things do irritate me as well. It's horrible being me. So I work some, uh, sometimes in a wee work in London. And they have a snack station there, Honesty Bar. And, you know, there are lots of these bars that have got protein in them or nuts or, you know, that, 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 it's not terrible, the stuff there, because if you are really hungry, it's still got loads of sugar in a lot of it because it's like just loads and loads of dried fruit. But it was kind of, there were, if you were desperate, there was something there. I went there the other day. They've started restocking crisps and these nasty, you know, the nasty sort of, you know, the kind of candy bars and chocolate bars that just have the worst vegetable fats in them. Do you know what I mean? Why are we going yeah. back now? And there's no fresh fruit there either. But I guess, actually, I, I did once see there was a delivery of fresh fruit somewhere that was given. I don't know if another company sent it in for the, for the workforce or what. But, you know, I'm back to the banana and the apple, but you can't keep them fresh, can you? So, but anyway, Mediterranean diet, Mediterranean diet is fish, you know, it's loads of, loads, big variety of fruit and vegetables, often seasonal at that time of year. There are pulses, lentils, there are loads of different herbs, there's extra virgin olive oil, there's nuts, there's seeds. There is some red meat in there as well. 
And this yeah. is another thing that gets me is that when I first started studying to be a nutritional therapist, I had to look at studies of the, of the Mediterranean diet. And, and, and I remember reading this paper, which was all about some island in Greece, a Greek yeah. island. And it described, somebody had gone and done the research in a lot of detail of what the Mediterranean diet in the 1960s looked like on this Greek island. And it was, you know, there's, there's red meat in there. Of course, there's quite a lot of fish and then all the things I've just mentioned. And then now, nowadays, when I start looking, it's been just particularly recently, last two or three years, the Mediterranean diet studies, they stopped mentioning the word red meat anywhere in those diets. It's almost like that has become the bogeyman of, you know, of diets, red meat. But it's all about the diet as a whole. Because, you know, some of the red meat, let's not go off on the red meat thing, but, you know, if you were to eat only red meat, it's terrible. It's the fact that you're not having it as a complex. And there's yeah. this whole thing that goes on in nutrition where people want to just pick out one item and tell you it's good or it's bad. And it's not. It's all about the whole, the diet as a whole. And often a lot of these nutrients are working synergistically together to give you the health benefit. So, for instance, if you were to eat red meat, it might be good to eat it alongside some red peppers, for instance, because red peppers have vitamin C and the vitamin C in the red pepper will help the absorption of the iron into your body from the red meat. But do you see how there are, and then that's just one tiny, tiny, tiny example, but there are so, I think yeah. that often, you know, there are all these nutrients, they're team players and they're working together and that's another reason to eat a big variety of food yeah and i think also it's like you coming back to you said it's it, it, it is real food you know and i think you take the mediterranean yes. diet what or the blue zone diets which popular netflix series with dan butner and his book the blue zone diet and that's really up in the moment but what i think people miss there is actually the it's natural, it's real food, there's no emulsifiers, no preservative, it's actually grown very close to the, the stove as well. So there's some locality, but that, that's not key in my view. The key thing is real food has not been really treated or processed or had lots of chemicals on it. And I think there's this misunderstanding actually that you can't eat meat because I think if we want to change the world and we should reduce our meat consumption, we need to meet people where they are and that's with taste and meat. It's such incredible, important, powerful thing in our food to give umami flavors. So actually when you look at, if you go and watch the Netflix here, you would see they will eat red meat on the Greek island. They will eat fish in the gym. Japanese island but exactly not the main thing it's an add-on thing it's not the, the core of the meal mm. it's not the center of the plate and I think that's what we need to learn in the western world there's these foundational food groups which uh, would be you know your greens your fruit your nuts and veg and you have your whole grains your pulses and then you have meat as an additional add-on that's how I interpret it. and I've seen the power of that when you go out and great menus like that to people and people love it because uh, you then can actually give them something tasty and reduce things because they're tasty. Absolutely. And also just coming back to the grains, you know, in the Western diet where it's all sort of like, you know, you know, white rice, white bread, you know, the, the sort of 
and also just that we eat wheat all the way through. By the way, wheat isn't terrible. It's just that we eat, uh, we're not eating variety, okay? And what one of the things that I've really enjoyed over the last couple of years is really exploring other grains as well. So like last night I cooked a Chinese meal at home and I made black rice in the rice cooker instead of white mm. rice. And I love white rice, by the way, but I, you, could eat, you can eat it every single day. And that's a whole sort of like portion where you can swap something out for something like really powerfully good for your gut. Because you know the black rice, it's got these anthocyanins, it's a particular plant chemical in it, and that deep colour will feed all the bacteria in your gut, and there's loads more fibre in it as well. And I don't know, I've just really enjoyed things like that. And then I saw on MasterChef recently, one of the cooks on there, she used paprika on one of her dishes. So, And I've been using that for a while. Have you tried it, by the way? It's Again, yeah, it's got loads yeah. more fiber in it, it's, and it's got this smoky bacon flavor, even because it's, it's yeah. smoked, not that it's got any meat in it or anything. So I think life just gets miles more exciting as soon as you start eating this variety and just getting out of this sort of maybe not being adventurous. And, you know, there's a big wide world out there and just make life a lot more fun as well. And I guess also is the... The food industry, which I sometimes have a go at, you know, have almost made it too easy to make the wrong choices. I said, like, because it's engineered around quick fixes, you know, the sugar rush, yeah. the the fat used for, for taste as well, and, you know, also driven by costs in a way. So it's a very, you know, you know, food costs money. And you would see that in the blue zones if you go and see the Netflix thing. Yeah. Like food is one of the most important budgetary costs they have as a, as a family in these. And, that, and that's interesting as well. And you see the, and it's interesting about the, the Mediterranean diet is the people who live in these blue zones, they have lots of centenarians. So people live there more than 100 years. And you see these people and you get like a shock because actually I think diet, in my view, have now not become about just being healthy now. It's also become about that longevity of how is, uh, how is my body's going to work in 10 to 20 to 30 years from now. I agree. And it's uh, self-care is a big part of this as well because we do live in very busy societies. So it's about finding small ways that you can improve, I think. And the other th thing that I notice a lot that, is a problem in our society with being such a fast society and all the rest of it is we don't have a chance to switch on the digestive system when when we're eating so it's not just mm. about what we're putting in the diet it's how so the smell yeah. or you see food so if if i smell some food let's say i you, you were to put some uh, red cabbage sauerkraut in a jar over there for me right now my mouth would probably start watering because I really like red cabbage sauerkraut. I like a young one that's slightly tangy. By the way, the probiotics in that would be brilliant for the gut, blah, 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 blah. But the main thing is just me seeing it could, and just seeing it could make my mouth water. Then if I were to open the jar and smell that, I probably would start my mouth, my mouth would water even more. And you know, when that's happening, it's called the cephalic response to food. Basically, your digestion has been switched on and then there would be enzymes, you know, uh, coming out of my digestive system and stomach acid all getting ready like, oh, yeah, yeah, feeding time, feeding time. But can you imagine 
the, I think one of the biggest problems is, and I have it myself, is I'm walking around in like every few yards, especially us urban people, we live in cities. Oh, there's a, there's a, there's the, the Starbucks, there's, you know, uh, another shop, you know, there with this, or you go to the counter to buy some and they're off, it's got, you know, chocolate and stuff on it. You, you're constantly seeing and being reminded of food the whole time. And when I was a kid, you know, this 1970s family, it's like you had a meal, you had your breakfast, you had your lunch, you had an early dinner, the kitchen door was shut after that. There were no snacks. Half the society, you know, wasn't full of coffee shops. Do you see what I mean? You, it was easier. So I think the environment is working against us. So you, in a way, do have to think a bit more about where you go and what you do as well. If you were like here, I wanted to, to ask you a couple of things about, you know, you know, because we, we now in the new year and probably lots of the people that, that is uh, listening to this really want to find some hacks they can stick to in a way. And you, we talked a bit about in the beginning as well, but like, what is there like some, you know, super hacks you can give people? The apple is one, you know, yeah. start eating one apple and do it 10,000. Yeah. It's like, how do I get actually started? improving my gut health or my microbiome yeah. um, so radically yeah. without even I have to break, you know, my, my neck because that's not going to stick past yeah. January because yeah. then we like the fitness membership. You yes. Know. Yeah. So I think I mentioned it to you before we spoke. I have started, I, I'm, I'm writing something called a sub stack. So basically if you go online and you Google nourish with Jeanette, basically it's an online publication and I, I put my recipes on there and all my tips for, um, you know, eating better. And also I look at pieces of research as they're coming out and explain it really, really simply. So there's lots of hacks there. But I'll just start with one small hack that I recently wrote about on there, which was um, buy vegetables with dirt on them. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So these things might seem obvious, but it's a bit harder to do when you live in a city. But let's say you just thought, said in January, do you know what? I'm going to sign up for a, you know, one of those boxes that come with seasonal vegetables that have been grown in earth or in real farms and I'll get it delivered. And then I'm just going to cook if it's sweet and if it's turnips this month, I'll make a soup and, grow, you know, some roasted vegetables. That's one thing that you could do that would have a big impact on your gut, and I'll explain why. So in, in, in one of the articles I've just recently written, it was all about how scientists look in Italy, they looked at rocket leaves, and they found that the rocket leaves that had been grown, and this is obvious, in Earth, but sometimes it takes a scientific study to, to tell us it, the rocket that was grown in Earth in fields had more bacteria, this healthy bacteria in it, than rocket leaves that had been grown, you know, in these vertical farms, the, you know, in the air with, yeah. you know, these big water systems and all the rest of it. Very clean yeah. environment. The, yeah. the, and basically the rocket grown in earth had lactic acid bacteria inside the leaves that when you eat it, that bacteria gets into your gut, right? So, but the ones that were 
grown vertically didn't have that really good friendly bacteria for your gut and your microbiome in it. And they concluded that basically we are eating too clean. Mm. We are just eating too clean. And the, the result is they were saying that's probably why so many people have, you know, immune disorders now. And if you think about in our society, autoimmune disorders and, you know, all the all just our basic immunity with colds and COVID and everything else. But if we're eating too clean, we're not going to, the microbiome won't be in such a great pattern. And that means our our immune system won't work as well. And so they were saying, conclusion, we, although they'd done it on rocket leaves, this probably applies to most vegetables. We need to buy vegetables that have been grown in earth in proper farms, not too clean. Okay, of course, and they found that even when they washed the rocket leaf, they still had this lactic acid bacteria on them, which was good. So, you know, even though you cleaned it off, because they'd been uh, grown near dirt and stuff, that had helped them form it or something like that. So the result was that they, they were saying, but if, they, if the leaves had been washed in, you know, bleach, you know, some of these bagged lettuces and things are washed. If it was washed in bleach, then it, it seemed to kill all that lactic acid bacteria. So do you see what I mean? Conclusion, fruit and vegetables that are too clean are not good for us. So you were saying, what one hack can I do in January? I'd say, start looking for dirty vegetables. And I never, I never actually heard that, but actually it, it gives totally sense. So we, for years, we had this, it's called Ashurst Organic Farm down here. And if you live in in Sussex or East Sussex, you should definitely be able to get a vegetable from go to the website. And, and we had periods where we either you know, we, we paused it because we've been on holidays or traveling. And then, you know, when we come back, we maybe buy something quick in supermarkets. My, my wife, she can feel the day we go back to the vegetables with dirt on. So the potatoes that comes from there, the onions, she says like she can feel the energy lifts. And that's probably, as you say, it's too clean what's in the supermarket. You get your veg, but it, you don't get the last bit because lots of this is all about energy as well it's not just about you know your health and longevity it's about the energy you have to to meet today you know for me as well like you know because we live in an insane fast-moving world and if you're a business owner or especially in the food world you you are just under this contra constant mental load of things and then if your god is not working optimal you can definitely feel that when you have to make important decisions and you always have to make important decisions when you don't feel like it because then actually just having health, healthy gut have actually definitely helped me. But it's really interesting that, again, coming back to the dirty, the dirty vegetables. And we know now we actually, you know, we have made sure there is a box coming on the first week of January when we are back from Christmas holiday as well. Because no. we just need to get back. We will also find it on holiday because we're going away to a place where it's possible. But it really makes a difference. But I never thought about that. It could be one of the biggest hacks. But it gives totally sense if it comes out of healthy soil, as you say. Yeah, exactly. So that's a great hack to, to people out there. Get on a good veg box scheme yeah. out there. That's, that's something to go for. What is What are you most excited about right now, Jeanette? What are you working on that makes you really excited? We talked about Substack, which I've seen. It's a brilliant piece. We'll put that in the show notes oh, as well. Oh, thank you. What am I, what am I excited about? I am excited about, yeah, 
that is my my big thing at the moment. I launched it three three months ago, and what I really like about that is is that I can connect with readers. We're doing a monthly uh, meetup on Zoom. I've done done things like teaching people how to make sauerkraut and kefir. I'm doing a bone broth uh, webinar in January. So anyone who signs up to that on the paid membership basically can join these group activities. And I feel that working with people in a group is really, really powerful because the group yeah. helps the group, but also I'm using the technology to reach people you know, and, and connect personally and so for me I'm really excited about that next year I'm about to do a little coaching session with people in a week's time about how to you know survive Christmas on the food front so we're going to do that as a group but I'm experimenting with lots of using the technology but also you know like the article I just told you I wrote when I discovered the, the this piece of research about the rocket you know sharing it in really easy to uh, understand language and I know people are really busy and so I'm trying to marry my journalism skills where you have to take something complicated and make it very simple and accessible and take into account people don't have a lot of time so that's what I'm excited about I'm also going to add a question uh, an answer on here about what I'm not excited about I'm really sick of all the gut washing that's going on so you know like mm. green washing Gut yeah. is what I call personally gut washing. I'm so sick of it, right? So, you know, I was talking about the sauerkraut because when you ferment the the red cabbage, for instance, it, it produces lots and lots of probiotics. And those those are, you know, that live bacteria you put in your gut and it helps with all the things we talked about earlier today. But I'm sick of going into shops where, you know, big industry is has is jumping on the bandwagon and, you know, saying this is this is a gut buzzword and and then selling people things that are not going to be do any have any impact so i'll give you an example i've been around health food stores where they've had a section that says gut health on it and next underneath it they've got jars and jars of sauerkraut and also kombucha which you know is the supposed fermented tea it's delicious normally lots of pro supposed to have lots of probiotics and it's at room temperature so if you see that stuff at room temperature, there's nothing live in there at all because if it's live, the, the lids will be popping off because you have yeah. to refrigerate live food so that it keeps it at a stable temperature so it doesn't carry on fermenting, right? And what is happening is, do you see what I mean? It's people are, it's gut washing. So the sauerkraut there was pickled. I had looked at it in, and, which is, means it's in vinegar and it's a dead food. Yeah, probably tastes quite nice. Also, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a bit of pickled cabbage. It's got, you know, vitamin C, but it's not got all these, you know, the really active, powerful live stuff in it that that we're really seeking to. So anyway, that's just something for anyone listening to watching this. I'd just say. So buy your dirty vegetables, but also be very careful where you're spending your money on the so-called fermented gut-friendly foods as well. And, and go, go to the fridge section or make your own. Yeah, and I think, I think it's really interesting because there's lots of claims. I've noticed it. I saw a snack bar the other day that claimed it was good for, good for gut, mind, body, heart, and health. And then I 
went of course and looked up the ingredients and there was emulsifiers uh, <laughs> so yeah straight away I was yeah. like, how how, no. how how can you actually get and i think there will be hopefully be laws at some point that the the races that that actually is not good you know these products cannot claim this it's like you know it's almost you know sending you down the the wrong way there's no quick way to sometimes to, to fix your gut or a cheap way especially a snack bar will always be if it's just pure nuts or something else but but again you know it just shows you you see you know pickled cabbage is another thing i've always also said to people like but that's not a live product it's a dead product when you pickle things yeah it it exactly done to keep for a very long time in winters in very cold places like where i'm from denmark we pickle a lot because that was the way we fed ourselves in the in the past when you didn't have fridges and so on. Uh, it's lovely, but it's not it's not got food per se, hundred percent. So yeah, it's really really interesting hacks there again, Jeanette. Jeanette, if people want to know more besides the sub stack, where should they go and 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 find out more about you and connect with you and and also your new book? I guess they need to to check that out. Oh well, it's not so new, but anyway, um, a, couple, a couple of years ago, I brought this out. So, and I haven't spoken about it today. It's about it's called the ten hour diet. It's about the time restricted eating. Just if I had to cut it down into one sentence. Basically, we all need to eat earlier in the evening and then that yeah. has means you have a long stretch without food and then that gives your gut time to, to recover and for the bacteria to start regenerating. So having a, a rest from eating is really good as well as getting the right stuff in. But that book does explain, you know, because with that time-restricted eating, again, there's so much mad, mad stuff going on with it. People think the longer, the better, the harder. It's not the case. And so I talk about what the sweet spot is in there. So that's, th that's that book. And the main way to find me is to go to my website, which is JeanetteHyde.com, two N's and two T's. And then also the online work I do with individuals, uh, information about that there. And also I'm probably in the coming year will launch go back to doing some more in-person workshops as well because those are really really fun and i think it's really powerful when you get people all together in in the flesh great Jeanette. thank you so much for coming on the show sharing your incredible knowledge uh with us i send you uh, power and energy for uh 2024 thank you I really appreciate that you're listening in. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share with others, rate it or give it a review, or subscribe to one of our channels, which all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com. I believe that reading books is key to become a great leader. So I've helped you with a curated list of some of the books that have impacted the guests here on the show and myself over the years. Find it on Hospitality Mavericks website, hospitalitymavericks.com under the reading list. A big thank you to BizTemply for supporting us bringing great insights, strategies and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their social at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq. You can also email them directly at podcast at bizsimply.com if you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or my email, michael at hospitalitymaverick.com. I'm Michael Tinkser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast Show. 
be maverick